Welcome into the Jesus Follower. My name is Andrew, whose name is Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Andrew, and hello, all of you. We're so glad that you're back with us again today. We look forward to getting into this topic that we have today, continuing kind of on where we left off last week to a, de- to a degree. To a degree, yeah. yeah. And you may be asking yourself why, because we covered discipleship exhaustively last week. How <laughs> yeah. could we possibly add any more goodness? But I think we can. Yeah. No. But there's uh, more. <laughs> right, right, there's more. Yeah. Um, we were talking about it before we started recording, and it's kind of an elusive topic in the church to get on the same page on, discipleship and words surrounding it. Um, it it's hard to develop one unified point of view on it for some reason. And we'll yeah. get into that, why we think why that is. But I thought it illustrated it well, just throughout growing up, I was raised in the church and grew up in the church. And I always wondered, like, what does the pastor actually do? Not like yeah. in a bad way, <laughs> but like, I know he's here full time. I know he's doing something, but I don't know what exactly he does. And then you go into college and I, well, eventually figured out I went and studied, um, to do that kind of a thing. You know, yeah, I'm here yeah. now I study biblical studies as a major and uh, I got a question from, uh, you know, someone in my family that says, so what exactly are you studying? Like, that's <laughs> kind of, like, what are you, what do you do at the church? And then I yeah, started getting made that up. <laughs> right. It's just a title. A, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I don't really do anything. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. And then we're here now today and we're talking about discipleship. And I think a lot of people find themselves asking, so what exactly is discipleship? What do you actually do as a Christian? <laughs> and that answer might vary depending on who you are and yeah. what your background is. So, Daniel, how has that been for you? Have have you, how many times have people asked you, what do you do exactly? Yeah, well, usually it's in the form of a joke, like you work uh, one, <laughs> one day, day a week. week. Right, you know? sure. Uh, and, you know, growing Classic. up, I think our, our experience growing up was probably relatively similar. Like, I knew yeah. the pastor was there when Bible study was happening, but I didn't really know, or preaching, but I didn't really know what the rest of his time was filled with. I didn't really understand that, nor did I think a whole lot at the time about it, probably. Uh, but but yeah, I think that, and, and we were talking about this a little before, I think that my understanding was everything was encompassed in being at church. So at church, mm-hmm. accomplished all of it. That was discipleship, that was evangelism, that was worship, that was, it was all-encompassing being at church. Yeah. And so I really never, uh, in my experience growing up, and I don't, we don't know about you all, but I, it was never really fleshed out that I can remember. Okay, what what is the difference between evangelism and discipleship? What is the difference between teaching and evangelism and discipleship? You know, what? how do we make those distinctions? And so I just, I grew up until I, I God allowed me to be discipled and I got into the Word. I grew up just thinking that, this was it. And yeah. every once in a while, we'd have cool little things happen. And that was cool. And that was fun. But that was pretty much it. And that's what we mm-hmm. were to be doing as a Christian. And then I got to study the word and understand a little bit more. So so how your success as a Christian was determined was how often do you go to church? Yes. How often do you serve at church? Do different things. Yes. Yes. Within church. Yeah. So we would have, and that's why I shared with you, you know, we would have uh, some of the guys of the church mow the yard, uh, do the weed eating around the cemetery. We would have 
uh, cool like fellowship. Of course, we were Baptist church, so we had to eat. So we had like yes. fellowship events, and and that was cool. And and but that was that was pretty much it. You know, we would we would pick people up on the church van, you know, or if the church van couldn't get to them, we would just as families, we would volunteer to go pick them up. And we would, and we would do mm-hmm. things like this. And maybe once a year we would go out to the neighborhood and knock on doors or something like that. Oh, yeah. But, but that was, yeah, that was your status of success. How engaged were you in that? Yes. And absolutely. That, that decided where you were. Right, right. Yeah. That's a similar story to me. I remember just even the uh, you know perspective in my mind growing up, and whether this was taught to me or not, I don't know. It, it wasn't, but that was kind of my perception of it. Is that when you leave church building on a Sunday, something switches, and like now it's okay to listen to the country radio station, yeah, because now yeah. I'm in the car and we're in the parking lot. We're not on holy ground anymore. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I have a similar background in that. So today we're going to talk about why that's absolutely right. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> they hit so, it. Nailed it. <laughs> so when was that point for you, Daniel? When did you discover that that wasn't necessarily what the Bible says is success in a Christian life? Success, yeah. I say that, but yeah. Yeah, so I I don't remember like the specific point. I don't remember the moment, but I remember what was happening when I began to realize something something else was was there that was being missed and and it really took and we're going to talk and we talked about it last week it took being discipled by someone for me to see that so mm. uh it took actually us uh, unfortunately you know some situations arose in the church that wasn't great and so the lord moved us to another church and it was in that church which is god's plan you look back and you see that god sees and knows and has all these things in plan yeah. uh, for your life and we we ended up at this other church and just through ministering through learning i ended up hanging out a lot with the pastor of that church and and just hanging out with him actually not on sunday he did other things other than sunday wow right and other than yeah. wednesday he was right. very active for the kingdom still is active for the kingdom and so i found that wait a minute so you do things outside of our normal church gathering days for the Lord. And, you know, it was just this, yeah. uh, the spirit of God uh, working through him. And in my life, it was just kind of like this unveiling. Oh, wait, there is more. And then, of course, uh, getting into further study in the scripture through classes and then various things, you just start to realize, oh, my um it's bigger than what we realized, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it's more than what I was taught. And it began to flesh some of that out for me in a big way. Was there any specific things for you that he did where it kind of clicked that there's more to it? Yeah, it was mainly uh, actually, and not to say that the other pastors didn't live out the word, but it was actually just seeing him walk in it. Mm-hmm. That and, and one of the one of my verses at the very beginning of ministry for me was uh, that just really stuck out. And this was this was an area he ministered to was James one twenty seven and James one twenty seven says pure and undefiled religion before God and man is this uh, in the sight of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Mm. But that that taking care of the needy, visiting the orphans and the widows, and, and I watched him go out and visit people, visit people in the nursing home, visit people in the hospital, and I was like, oh, so so you're doing this? You're you're we need to go do this. We need to take care of those that are needy. And it was just like a switch, like oh. Mm. 
well, we've not been doing that, <laughs> you know, like oh, yeah. what what if, what's going on here? And so then I just started watching in other areas the way that he ministered or shared his faith or uh, and and all of a sudden all the light bulbs felt like they started turning on. The, uh, mm-hmm. the, there's more to this than just showing up at church. I mean, that's uh, and what that created was now to me, that's like a bare minimum, right? <laughs> like, of course, you're going to show up and worship and study because I mean, when you begin to understand the greatness of who he is, I mean, yeah, of course you're going to do that. But mm-hmm. then what else are you going to do after you learn more about him? That's that's the biggest thing for me. So, yeah, mm. that was kind of the moment. What about for you? Where was that light bulb moment? Did you have have a moment that sticks out? Not not one necessarily where it was like, bam. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, well, yeah, like you said. Uh, yeah, it, it seems to be happening pro- Progressively, even now, more yeah, yeah. more as we uh, grow. Um, while we were at college, Lauren and I, my wife, we went to a church in uh, Wilmington, Ohio. Uh, down, it's between here and Cedarville-ish. But, uh, but yeah, the pastor there during my time, I served as a pastoral intern, and he kind of made that, uh, you know, that position took me under his wing, and. More and more, especially looking back, I could see now how he was discipling me, and yeah. I've never been exposed to that in that intensive of a way as yeah. he was trying to. I'd always viewed discipleship as a program that we do either at the church building or at here or out here, but not anything that's necessarily applying to everyday life. I didn't know how that connected experientially. Yeah. And now looking back on that through things like just him having us over for a meal at his house, us going, we, he would like you said, with uh, your pastor, take me on uh, trips with him to go see people or to meet with uh, you know people who he was meeting with. Yeah, and yeah. Specifically in that ministry setting, a lot of that was there, but also it just bled into how he lived his life and what his faith meant to him. I'll never forget throughout that process, he, um, and this is widely known, but throughout our time there, he lost his wife to cancer uh, during our, our time knowing him, it all kind of happened pretty quickly. Yeah. And uh, he even went to Mexico for a time and spent the like the majority of, you know, a lot of money, a lot of his retirement just to, uh, to anything to make her better. And God, uh, the, the answer was, uh, you know, I'll take her home. Yeah. And just to see his faith throughout that, because you could obviously present one thing in the pulpit. It's possible to present one thing in the pulpit and then apart from that, present something different. Yeah. But to see... To for him to let let me into his life, yeah. Let alone have it be hypocritical in terms of what he what he's presenting and what it wasn't that way. But just for him to be open enough to or invulnerable to let me in, that was the biggest. That's really when it started clicking for me. It's like this is what it means to follow Christ. Yeah. It's not doing anything magnificent for him, or you know, keeping win loss totals of your record for Christ, yeah, yeah, but yeah. trusting him in those times and even, you know, to go as far as to let someone like me in, it just yeah. showed his worldview informed by scripture towards what that should look like in his life and yeah. what that faith meant in sharing it with me. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things that I think, I think also another uh, addition to, to that was that he, then um, this is something that I try to do from time to time today intentionally. Now people don't always like that, but I, but I learned a lot because he also had to you know have 
um, trust in who the Lord was in my life and give me a chance. And I think that's a big, that was a big part mm. of it. Like, you know, he would put my name out in the community to fill in pulpits. Uh, and I didn't know, like, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, uh, but but he he saw who the Lord was in my life, just like your mentor did in your life. And yeah. and so he would he would allow me to speak at the church. Uh, you know, that's a big yeah. deal. That's not something that you take lightly. And and so he would allow these these moments to, to happen. And, and, and you look back and you say, wow, you know, I mean, I certainly don't see that in myself. But, I mean, praise God for for his grace and mercy to allow us to serve him that way. And, uh, and that was a big deal. So uh, there's a lot of learning in that as well, just through you experience it, you walk with him. And I, and I think that's what Jesus did as well. And we probably talked about that. You know, he sent them mm-hmm. out. There was a time he sent them out. They came back and gave a report. Um, and then there were times that they were on their own and they failed. You know, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, they couldn't drive the demon out. Right. So there were those moments and there, there will be those times because we will never get it just exactly right. I mean, it's a sanctification long process of growing and race that we're running. But uh, nonetheless, that was another big part of it that he just, uh, you know, because I'm not a great public speaker, still wouldn't claim to be a great public speaker in and of myself. And and I could tell you that uh, at the beginning, it was very, very short. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some would say, I wish we could go back there, possibly, if you're listening <laughs> from Rolling Hills. But nonetheless, uh, but, uh, you know, yeah. as you as you uh, grow closer to him, you, know, you have more things to say, I guess. But right. uh, but yeah, it, it was uh, so. So that was uh, also uh, an important part. And, and I know you know, one of the things that was interesting, and I want to touch on this, this may take us off topic, we may have to pick up on, but you said it's not a, not a program. And mm-hmm. I think that's really important to flesh out because we live in a world of programs. And, and you mentioned that before we started. And even in my mind goes, okay, what are we going to create to make disciples? What program are we going to create to make disciples? And that's... Right. That's where we run to, right? Because we have programs for everything and we give them cool names and we're like, this is what we're going to do. Let's hype people up. Let's get excited about this. And so it's not a program. That is something very important. And I think that we need to we need to spend a moment there. Yeah, we can definitely go there. It is. We make it very top down because it's easier when it's top down. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. We, it's cleaner. Even you yeah. like making good early sighted good graphics and good organization. Like, OK, it's all set up and yeah. let's go. You know, it's going to work. Uh, but it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. I know in my circumstance, we're talking. I, I really enjoy. I never uh, you know, we haven't had that conversation just about our. Uh, you know, mentors in this depth, oh, but yeah. he, uh, Pastor Jim Riggle is his name. He created the that that position or proposed that, brought it to life, the pastoral yeah. intern. But our relationship didn't happen purely within the little, you know, in the church building yeah. or in the borders of pastoral intern. Yeah. You know, it was much yeah. different than that. So yeah. we have to be at this place. I don't want to overcorrect and say we you know, we shouldn't have programs because oftentimes it's within that structure that we find good ground for growth and discipleship. But yet we can't just, like you said, create programs for discipleship and then say, yes, we're doing discipleship. And that's where it leads us to a place. And that was where I grew up too a lot, whether it was taught or not, the perception was that if you attend a class 
or if you like you said, attend church so many times out of the year. Yeah. If you're on the evangelism team, do whatever, then you are being made a disciple. Yeah. Like that's automatically one-to-one. And I think that attitude pervades very deeply into a lot of, maybe it's just Baptists, maybe it's more than that, but how we understand being a disciple of Christ. And that leads us to trouble because yeah. we get into that, that spot where we are today, a lot of us, where a lot of us go to church and then we're not Christians outside of church yeah. in a meaningful way. Yeah. And that's not really a stretch to say. So I didn't really answer your question, but I think that <laughs> it is an important place to go because yeah. it adds a lot of color and even, uh, you know, bring people, it can even bring people into the conversation that otherwise are in a completely different spot from where we are now. Because I've heard a lot of these conversations too growing up about, people mentoring someone and that's how their testimonies similar to ours now, but I would not have interpreted it that way for whatever reason when I was younger in that worldview than what I do now. Yeah. So I don't know where you want to go from there. So let me ask you this. When you were being discipled, did you know you were? Yes and no. I think now I'd say more no. Yeah. Because I didn't really have a complete understanding experientially of what discipleship is. That's what it's so hard is that yeah. I can, I go to first Corinthians now and I've been going back and flipping back and forth as you say different things and I guess just go to it now. But we read, I read scriptures like this in chapter four and chapter nine. I read, read these separately as completely separate ideas, but now I see them as interconnected. And chapter four of first Corinthians, starting in verse uh, 14, he's going on about, uh, you know, to the Corinthian church. And he says, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children in verse 15, for you have many count, you Rather, for you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. He's saying you have all these people who are trying to spring on this doctrine on you, and it's compelling, but you don't have many you don't have many fathers. You yeah. don't have many people who are like in it with you and love you. Our conversation last week about your dad, your adoptive father, of yeah. what that means to you experientially. That they Corinthians doesn't have much of that in this way. And then we go to chapter nine, just a few pages later. And again, there's no chapters in the original writing. These aren't collections of writings right, by right. Paul. This is one letter. And in verse 24, uh, he's talking about running the race and that analogy. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize run in such a way to receive to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an unperishable crown. So I do not like run like one who runs aimlessly or box like being the air. Instead, I just discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that uh, after preaching it, to others i myself will not be disqualified those happen in the same book so i think really for me what's happening even now and looking back on that time being discipled which is what was happening is that those things happen together and that's how they happen in real life is that discipleship can't merely happen through teaching it can't merely happen through preaching or observing or taking in information what happens is you live life one-on-one with people like paul did with timothy that's another where paul was his spiritual father and he talks about that in in timothy's that you exercise 
those spiritual muscles, like yeah. Paul's talking about in First Corinthians nine, that happens when you train together. And yeah. by Christ's design, by God's design, as shows through the Gospels, that can't happen by yourself. It just can't. And I think somehow I got the message along the line. I don't know where it came from or if it even was said, if that's just sin in me, but that I can have these church relationships and fellowship, quote unquote, with each other, but then develop my own spiritual disciplines, Christian life over here. I didn't do a good job at that. And why? Because it's not supposed to be that way. Right, right. So that's what really is clicking for me looking back on it is that not only uh, was he at a spot where he was, uh, my, Pastor Jim was caring for me and living life with me, but he was bestowing on me. Do you use that King James word, bestowing? Bestowing. I like that's that. a big one. Yeah, yeah that's a good I know. I know, bonus points. But yeah, yeah. bestowing on me those, uh, you know, those good habits, those good training, training me and training with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, it is. It is huge. And, and I would just add to that and say, just come alongside that, really. Say, I didn't even know that I was being discipled either. But one of the things that you said that really sticks out is that he lets you be a part of his life. And I think that that is is one of the big components. You know, we are a people that is so filtered and and sometimes so locked door mentality where we we shut people out. We got to guard our stuff. We've got to not let people see the real us because of our filters. And and we don't let people in to who we really are. And. And true discipleship, it takes it. That's why Paul says, be an imitator of me. Well, he he meant Jesus, who he was walking after. They would see Jesus as they imitated him because he was walking beside Jesus with Jesus. So, uh, you know, he references that. He references that in 1 Corinthians 11 as well. I think that that imitation, imitate me, you know. Yes. Um, And so... So letting he lets you in. So that's what uh, the the pastor was Rick Neff, and and that's what he did for me. He let me into his world, his life, and into the ministry, into even he was bivocational, so he had a a contracting job. He let me into his life, and and so I I saw and witnessed and could just uh, mentally take note of the things that was going on, and I realized, like you said, much like you said, the big one of the biggest things was. Hey, he's living for Christ as much there as he is when he preaches there, and they they go together like they they're they're in right. unity. The lifestyle that he lives out here versus compared to what he does here, and I and I just as a young man was just watching that and just taking mental notes of that, and and so he let me into his life and he let me walk with him, and so that's what I think. Like I didn't know it was happening. I wasn't yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to find somebody to disciple me. I, I had no, I was not like super with it and just had everything planned out that you all know, especially Rolling Hills Baptist Church or many of my family that may watch this know that that's not what happened. But, but it just happened because he let you in. He let me into his world as he was living for Christ. And what that meant was that sometimes, a lot of times the teaching may have happened at church, but a lot of times it may not have. A lot of times it may have been in a nursing home or he may have invited me to have dinner with him uh, and, and yeah. or, or taken me to college or, you know, just a variety of things. Just, just, yeah. and, and sometimes that's where the hesitation is. Our schedules are so 
so busy that we we just don't think we have the time to let people in on that level. Yeah. Uh, but the investment is what we're called to do in making disciples, investing, letting people in, making sure our relationship with Christ and our intimacy is where it needs to be as much as possible so that when people come in, they see Christ when they get in. That's right. Uh, and then and then going that extra mile, which I think some of this fantastic teacher named Jesus talks about going the extra mile and and not just saying, well, I'm going to teach you in designated places, but hey, I've got some free time today. Hey, you want to go out and have breakfast? You know, you want to go out and um, and just just talk, you know, uh, and and if you're as we fall greater, you and I uh, and us as followers, of as we fall greater in love with Jesus, what we're going to talk about is going to be biblically based yeah. because he's our all right. Uh, so yeah. what we're going to go do is going to be biblically based. It's going to be minister ministry because he's our all. Um, and it really is. It's not a program. And as we talked about last week, it's not always clean, but it's an investment. You're, you're an investing in someone for eternity. And then you think about this. And I think this is kind of where when we talk about discipleship, not being a program, allowing people into your life, pouring into them in this way. Okay, so now where are you? Well, now, and he probably didn't know that this is where you would be at. No, you know, he didn't. Did yeah, that you would be, you would have the chance to share Christ in uh, a completely different context to a completely different number of people and have the opportunity to make disciples within the context of where God was leading you. And mm-hmm. that's where discipleship, the, the, the what Jesus taught was beautiful because it's not just one. I mean, just, you know, even Rick pouring into my life, I'm, I'm nothing, but praise God for who Christ is and what he does. And so he probably never would have thought that, hey, God was going to lead me to a foreign land of Ohio and, and allow me to start a foreign land. I'm from Kentucky, so I just I, I jokingly say uh, kind of, but uh, a foreign land, yeah, ish of Ohio, and and allow me to share Christ and be able to have the privilege to disciple and pour into people here, uh, and so it's it's it really is in our own experience. I think what discipleship is all is all about what Jesus has taught, and and a couple of components that I think are so key that you've brought out, maybe non intentionally, maybe intentionally, oh, what no. you've said. Is it's not a program and it is letting people into your life. Uh, because if you don't do that, every relationship that we have stays surface level. Right. Um, and yes. surface level with Jesus, even Jesus didn't keep them at surface level. Jesus brought some of them up to the Mount of Transfiguration. That's well beyond surface level. Jesus walked on water out to him. That's well beyond surface. He was in the boat in the storm, well beyond. He was feeding the 5,000 men in the, on the, you know, there. At, well, so, so Jesus said, I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to show you a side. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to let you in. I'm going to speak in parables so that you can understand, like I'm going to pour yes. out the truth uh, of the kingdom to you. And, and so when, when that, when that took place, I mean, these disciples, you go on years later to people like John and in first John, the conviction and the boldness and the focus that he still has all those years later on Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus is incredible. Why? Well, because he was disciplined discipled and he was discipled properly. He was poured into and invested in by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So years later, he's still discipling and pouring in and on fire because 
it was done properly and it makes all the difference in the world. It does. It does. You know, you're talking, it's almost like all skipped scripture is given by inspiration of God is <laughs> almost, profitable, I you know, know right? for correction, for doctrine, for uh, reproof, for instruction and in righteousness. Yeah. And we get away from that. I think yeah. maybe we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we could get to a spot where we say, okay, we hear the word on Sundays, but we're facing real life issues as yeah. if the two don't connect. <laughs> and so we should meet with small groups outside of church and we'll read these books that talk about the real life issues. Yeah. But that also refer to scripture, you know, and we fight fire with fire. I think yeah. we go down this wrong path. We're talking about discipleship and for sure, if you haven't experienced it, and I fall into it too, even think it, we can still separate that language from the experience and, and from scripture, even yeah. from what it is. So um, you talk rightfully so, and people do about pouring in and uh, like what I experienced about the sharing life with each other. And it, it for us is, is very real. But for a while, for me, that was not real. I don't know if that was the same for you, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it, it had to have, and we're all that is based in our sinfulness, but it's still true that the Bible is the ultimate authority. And yeah. that in that, that bears the weight of the discipleship task that paired with the Holy spirit in our hearts. So we say that that meant a whole lot to us to experience that in our lives, but yeah. I'm sure to them, and I'm, I'm sure Pastor Jim, your mentor would admit, and as would I or we, if we, if I have the honor of doing that for somebody else or when, yeah. it's not that remarkable in the moment. And yeah. if anything, no, it's, it's very <laughs> unremarkable in yeah. the moment. What that looks like for me was meeting at Beans and Cream every week in Cedarville, Ohio with Pastor Jim Riggle. Is that the barn? That is no, that's no, that's, okay. no, that's in Xenia. That's uh, oh, what? oh my goodness, oh Lord, yeah, sorry. tell me what it, it's the ice cream place. Yeah, yeah, I, I went with Young's some, Dairy. Yeah, yeah, okay, sorry, different it's place. On a, it's yeah. on a corner in Cedarville, in Cedarville's yeah. tiny town. So we'd walk even in the the cold of second semester, and he would meet me there, drive a half hour from Wilmington every week, and we would chat about scripture, chat about what was going on at church, and that, even though sometimes uh, I, you know, could have, it, it seemed like my time would have been better spent either studying or doing stuff that was for that day, that is more valuable than a lot of my educational experience yeah. for my spiritual life right now not saying the others it's just saying how valuable no, that right. was right. so in that in that you're saying we may be spilled still the spot or you may be listening that okay that's all good for you but how does this how do i get over the hump in my life i think we'd both tell you in scripture would that there is no hump right, jesus right. took it over took us over that hump in his holy spirit in our justification and now through him and yeah. that's why we say that through his holy spirit we are able to then be enlightened to the truth and the spiritual realities, the scripture says, of scripture, yeah, we're able to be talked to by God through his word because he is everlasting. We are be able to open our, you know, have our eyes opened rather by the spirit to these realities. 
And then that leads us to the church and to other people. So then there's no dividing line then between the church parking lot and the church building. Right. There's no shame in small talk. That's why I kind of thought too, like after the service, be like, oh, did you see the game? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, like it doesn't feel right. As if we would have to, you know, dive into deep prayer you yeah, know, after every yeah. service. And that's great if we do, but that's, we're met for life with yeah. each other, yeah. you know? And what that means is what you think it means, but with that spiritual reality. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to illustrate, but I even now have trouble like connecting still, like we could explain forever the true end goal of discipleship, which is to run that race and yeah. to meet Christ and to, you know, it's, but in that, to still not really feel like you know the answer. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, and, the, and and I think the desire and the, and the method, uh, what is taught is is to reproduce too. So you, right. you want to, um, you you want to, but but you know, one of the things that really bonds you, and I think that's why it can't be put into a program. Uh, you're bonded by being in the trenches together. I mean, that's just a, that's a bond. So, uh, you know, you can't set a program to know the trenches that are coming in people's lives. So what you got to do is you just got to be there. I I mean, you got to just be willing to let them in when the program's going on or when it's not going on, it doesn't change anything. It's, you know, know, you're there Uh, because, because that's when, and you know, and I think about what Jesus said and and we'll just use Mark one verse 17. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you be, Become fishers of men. You know, he didn't. He didn't. Say, he didn't give dis- distinctives like "follow me here." Uh, dis- you know, "follow me here." Follow- he said, just in general, always follow. Like because in always following, there were trench moments. I mean, there were moments where they were attacked. There were moments when they couldn't cast the demon out. There were moments when they had yeah. to question. And um, and so that's why I think that we we have to separate it from a program. Not that a program can't help. But it can't be all encompassing for discipleship, I don't think, because you just can't, you can't, you don't know where those trenches are coming. And some of the bonds that I've been blessed to form with people in the Lord that God has allowed that to happen have been just walking alongside people. And maybe a tragedy did happen. And you're just there yeah. praying for one another, trusting God and, and, and crying out to him together, crying together and, and just, you know, and, and that brings about a unity that is just unlike any other in the Lord because of who God is yeah. in it. And, and so I, I, I think it is, it is hard to describe, but it really, in some ways, it's just really, uh, it all is driven by the spirit because I think as we pray and as we ask God and part of it, I think is knowing what to look for. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we going after? What are we supposed to be doing? Are we just showing up at church or are we showing up and saying, Lord, help reveal someone to me that I can just pour into someone to me that I can I can just start meeting with and having a Bible study can help show me who you would like me to connect with and relying on the spirit and the Lord to lead you in that way, which I believe is probably for your mentor and mine as well. Yeah, we give glory to God for his guidance 
guiding in that because we certainly wouldn't have saw it about ourselves. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, and so, so it's all driven by him. And and those that have been in church, and especially if you have been someone that was mentored, the question becomes: All right, how can I reproduce that in the lives of others? Not with a program, but just let someone in to your life as you follow Christ and and walk through that journey alongside of them. And it doesn't seem to be glorious in the moment. I mean, that's what, when when yeah. I was being discipled, and even still now, there's there's moments of failure, and I'm sure possibly just times I disappointed and didn't didn't get where I needed to get, and and all of these other things. But uh, you know, that's the same thing with Jesus and his disciples. But the key is that we don't just forsake all because mistakes are made, but we we just continue to love and walk beside and let them in and encourage through it until uh, they can they can take steps closer to Christ in their own sanctification process and be ready to disciple others. So yes. uh, anyway, it's a, it's, it's a, a great distinction to be made, not programmable, but just investing in lives. I think. Absolutely. I yeah. think it gives me great hope because yeah, it, it cuts to the quick and it kind of makes it all simpler. Yeah. I, I think we both say, you said that too, but I'm very simple in my thought process. I like everything to be logical. And for a long time, it seemed like the Bible was clear about the gospel, but it was unclear about most everything else. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But really what we see is this simple thing about running the race. I think what we would get clogged up in in the church today is this idea we to continue that metaphor you know we we train i think there's great ways great programmatic even things that we can do to train for this race prayer bible reading bible memorization things that we can do together yeah and that enhances our spiritual growth but what we tend to do in the church i think is to treat the gym as if it is the race yeah you know we're just stuck in the gym forever yeah we're not actually running the race yeah how great a tragedy there would be that puffs us up that gets us yes. very prideful because we do what we do because what we do and we have all these stories whether they be spiritual or not yeah. driven by numbers driven by whatever yeah that are not driven by the spirit and what the bible does and what christ does to us in saying make disciples and giving us his example and yeah. his spirit even more than that oh my goodness is that we can run that race. Yeah. That's not an unattainable goal. And we can do that throughout our whole life. Yeah. We can't run a race in a day and we can't live our life in a day. And that's what Christ calls us to is not one big work of spiritual heroics as if that's what he did on the cross. No, it was followed by a life of obedience that was that was brought to a head at the cross of a life, not just of obedience, but of love for the father, communion with the father that allowed the father to lead him. If I can use that, that, I don't think that's heretical. He of course was his own agent in that too. (laughs) He, he gave himself, but also the father, it was the father's will, not my will, but yours be done. You know, he was led there. So we see in Christ that, and that really, you know, cuts away all of the fluff. Yeah, it does. It It makes discipleship very simple. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, And I think uh, uh, for our purposes today, one of the one of the big things that you just said again is we can't spend all of our time in the gym training either. (laughs) We've got to get out and do something with that training. I mean, you don't typically you don't train to do nothing with it. You train for a purpose, and that's that's kind of the whole thing. Like we have spent a lot of time just in the training without ever using the training. You know, and 
Uh, and we can't, it's easy to fall prey to that because that keeps us in a place where we're comfortable, where we're used to, where we, where we know faces, names, and, uh, but, but that's not really what we're called. And as a matter of fact, you were saying that I was thinking Jesus spent some time in the synagogue, but he spent a whole lot of time outside there, right? So he, he was teaching in the church or the, the place of the day where, uh, the word was taught and yet, but he was, Man, he was going constantly. He was always, yeah. and people were just flocking and following or wanting to attack him or, or something. But uh, but the synagogue time, we actually, we have little snippets of that, but we have a whole lot of time of him outside just practicing and preaching the gospel and repentance and 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 just being incredible, like the Savior that he is. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, I think it's... Uh, that's a very good distinction. Now, I, I think, and I may be too bold in saying this, but we want to continue for the next time to make some distinctions as well between uh, discipleship and evangelism and some of these and continue to just kind of separate so that we have a clear understanding of what, you know, really what all these opportunities of a lifetime are and how they differ from one another. So I think that would be a great thing to carry on since we started making not a program, vesting lives and kind of, uh, kind of hopefully brought clarity to to the discipleship even more to carry on with that uh, right, next time. Right, yeah. for sure. And how to train well, too, uh, yeah. even. There's a lot of places we can go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I forgot. I know we were talking before we were recording. I forgot if we opened up with that question and never answered it, or if we just said that before we recorded. Discipleship versus evangelism. We have these conversations. It's hard to tell where. Or yeah, where yeah. Are. Well, bad, that's, that's where we want to go next time okay <laughs> I think, yeah there we go perfect discipleship versus evangelism so if you've questioned that before hopefully as we try to talk it out here uh we can bring some clarity to the different differing factor there differentiation yeah well there we go well thank you so much for joining us we're 40 minutes deep so uh yeah, thank you for staying with us for that long. And thank you to those who've been listening since uh, day one. I know you're there. I know you were pushing on together. And uh, it's just great. Even yeah. in our first episode, I don't I don't think I would have been having, you know, these conversations. So I'm blessed by you, Daniel. I'm blessed awesome. by you for joining us. And uh, yeah, thank you to God for leading us always. Yes, absolutely. And, and the blessing is there for me, too. We're so glad that... Uh, Andrew, the God laid it on his heart, and we're privileged to be a part of it together. And and so glad that you've joined in as well. And again, as we always say, uh, if you got questions, comments, thoughts, uh, in love, as always, uh, make those make those at the bottom there. Uh, let us know what you're thinking, what you've experienced, so that um, so that we can just. Uh, answer the questions the best that we can or, or just see where, what, what experiences you've had as well. We'd, we'd encourage that. We look forward to reading those. Yeah. And even I've just seen from experience, if you leave a like or a comment, not only do we see it and it helps us, but it helps expose other people to the video as well, puts it in the algorithm in a certain way. I have no clue how it works, but more people seem to view it if there are <laughs> comments or likes on it. There so please contribute in that way. And uh, yeah, thank you so much again for joining us today. Yeah, have a great day. 